0: Well, our scripture this morning is Genesis 22. Our theme for the fall is hearing God. Is that interesting? Did you hear me? Hearing God. <clears throat> okay, some we don't talk about a whole lot sometimes in the church, or maybe take for granted. I want to read just a few verses from Genesis 22 that involves the uh, story of Abraham, one that we're very familiar with. We spoke about Abraham last week, or Abram, his name was changed to Abraham, when God breathes into your name we talked about, and so we come to Genesis 22, he is Abraham, he's starting to move into that Covenant with God and all that God has for him that he's promised. And uh, we read in verse 1 through to 4. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Amen. I want to say welcome as well this morning to our uh, university college students. Those are in town, maybe the first year here in Moncton. God bless you. So good to have you. And uh, yes, let's welcome them. And also those of you who may be trickled in through the summer or the fall and uh, you're looking for a place to worship, um, we, we pray that you'll connect with Pastor Susan. If this is not the place God wants you, we'll be glad to uh, tell you of a better place you can go for whatever it is the Lord's doing in your life. We just want you plugged into the body of Christ and monk to be part of the ministry of the church in the city. And so if we can help you in that journey, we're glad to do that. You know, I've been in the church all of my life. Uh, some 57 years, born in the church, raised in the church, and through many uh, seasons, many trends, many things that kind of come and go. I've learned that in the body of Christ, you can probably boil down, you know, to two extremes when it comes to hearing God. Uh, on, on the one end of the uh, one end of the spectrum, I think you have people who um, basically go to church for the aesthetics. Uh, they go to church, they're sincere, they're nice people, but they basically go to church for how church makes them feel. Uh, they've had a hard week or maybe a dry week, and so they find a certain degree of solace just kind of coming into church where there's worship and there's just this spiritual atmosphere. Now, in that service, they may talk to God. They may, you know, through singing or, or maybe just toss up a prayer, but they really don't expect God to speak back. For them, prayer or worship is more of a cathartic thing. It's something, again, that makes you feel better. It's an experience you have once a week, and you're kind of glad you came. It's, it's kind of like flying a glider. Have you ever flew a glider? We used to fly them in air cadets. They would hook, you know, hook you up to a plane, and the plane would tow you up, and then it would unhook, and you just kind of glide. It was so beautiful, so peaceful, but eventually you come down to earth, right? Then you get hooked up again the next Sunday, and up you go. You know, for a lot of folks, it's that kind of thing. It's just very cathartic. It's almost like, you know, sitting on the couch of a therapist. You're just laying there because it feels good to talk, but you're doing all the talking, and he's doing all the listening. And for a lot of people, that's what a relationship with God is like. You kind of do the talking, but you don't really expect them to talk back. Then on the other extreme, you have people who believe that God talks about everything. He tells them what to wear. tells them what to eat. He finds those parking spots that are closest to the mall entrance. Even though Jesus would clearly leave that for somebody else but they believe that God is doing it for them, and everything that happens is kind of God's doing in their life. They're also the kind of people that have a word of God or a word from God for everybody, whether you want it or not. They will share it with you. So you kind of have that extreme. But I think that in the midst of both of those, that there is a place, there's a balance, there's a place where God invites us to live every day. There is a place where God invites us to walk with Him. He invites us to communicate with him, to to talk with him, to hear his voice. And in fact, in that place, you begin to discover, if you want to walk with God, that it's not even so much important what you have to say to God, as it is what God has to say to you. We all know that you can't talk and listen at the same time. I've tried it; I I, I, I do it fairly decently, but uh, you know, usually when we're confer- you know, if you're a sanguine personality like me. You're usually very gracious when someone else is talking. You'll listen, but you're basically listening from to finish, so you can actually say something interesting, right? Like, I hear what you're saying, but you'll really want to hear this. Well, we can kind of be like that with God, too. But the fact is you can't talk and listen at the same time. In fact, oftentimes if a person has a speech impediment, it's oftentimes related to a hearing impairment, that if you can't hear clearly, It's very difficult for you to actually be able to speak clearly, to articulate your thoughts, to verbalize your thoughts. I really believe with all my heart that God has a word for this generation. In the midst of all the things that we see happening, we as the body of Christ are not meant just to kind of stand back and shake our finger or kind of tisk tisk. God has a word of hope for our generation. God has words of truth. He has words of freedom. But you see, the reality is we as the people of God... We need to be able to hear God first. If we don't learn to hear God, then we're not going to be able to speak for God. We can speak in the name of God, but we'll just speak basically things that are just a projection of our own brokenness, or our own bias, or our own religiousness. It won't really be a word that's an expression of God's heart that people need to hear or that God wants to share with them. Jesus didn't say, he who has a mouth, let him speak. He said in Revelation 2, what, he who has an ear, let him hear. What? What the Spirit of God is saying to the church. That's you and me. Let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit of God is saying. Why? Because God is speaking to the church. Jesus is the head of his church, and if he is, he's speaking to his church. And if Jesus has a word for this generation, who's he going to speak it through? Is he going to just tear open the heavens, put a couple speakers in the sky, turn up the Dolby and say, hey, earth, this is God. Now, people would like that, but he doesn't do that, right? But he does speak just as clearly and just as authoritatively through his people who learn to hear him. I saw a plaque at the uh, Hallmark store. It was a prayer, and I didn't have time to put it up. I just saw it the other day, but this is how the prayer read. It said, dear Lord, If there's a door I should not go through, please lock it, close it, nail it shut, surround it with barbed wire, put a refrigerator in front of it, and a guard dog with nothing to lose. And you know what? For so many Christians in our culture, that sums up the leading of God in their lives. How many people live by the adage, well, if it's God's will, he'll open the door Lord, if it's not your will, close the door. And somehow that's spiritual. Somehow that's a relationship with God. Somehow that's being led by the Lord. I want to suggest to us that's not God's way or not what he intends. It's actually the prayer of somebody who doesn't believe that God speaks today, at least not to them, and yet he does. I think the problem lies in the fact that God, who is spirit, speaks to our spirit. That's where it is. He speaks to our spirit, and those who hear him, according to Hebrews chapter 5, you can read it with me, are those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. You say that with me? Those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice. In other words, God speaks to all of us, but those who hear them are those who take the time to learn to discern his voice. Who take the time to be quiet and to hear him? We all, every one of us here this morning, have been created with the ability to hear the voice of God, to hear the Lord clearly, to hear, as Elijah called in 1 Kings 19, that still small voice. What is that still small voice? Well, to many people who may not even realize it, it's that voice that prompts you to call somebody that comes to your mind to reach out to somebody, to step out and to do something, to, to help someone, to touch them uh, with, with, with God's love or presence. It's, it's that voice that warns you sometimes, hey, you shouldn't go there. It's that voice we often don't heed that says you shouldn't say that. You'd be better off not to give your opinion right now. We all hear the voice of God. Most of us know the cartoon character Jiminy Cricket. How many of us? Do we all know it, young and old, everybody? Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio days, remember him? Well, what you may not have known is Jiminy Cricket was actually a euphemism for Jesus Christ. Uh, his name was first spoken, actually, in Snow White, but Jiminy Cricket appeared in the Pinocchio movie uh, as, as Pinocchio's conscience. You remember that? Because he would always tell Pinocchio, who wasn't always the brightest boy, and he was made of wood, you know, initially, but um, he always helped him to discern right from wrong. And what Walt Disney was doing was he was using the ministry the person of Jesus Christ, who by the Holy Spirit does the same thing for you and me. Now, our society oftentimes has portrayed that battle or that voice sometimes as an angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, right? But basically what it is saying is that just as the enemy would speak to us to tempt us, to draw us, to ensnare us, to lie to us, whatever it may be, Jesus also very clearly speaks to us. He speaks to everyone but he certainly speaks to his people. We all hear the voice of God on a regular basis, whether we know him or not. I remember back in 1982, I had to look it up to see what year it is, but I still remember uh, as a young man watching the Phil Donahue show. Anybody remember Phil Donahue? He kind of made the way for Oprah Winfrey, okay? That's why I don't like Phil, <laughs> no. But Phil Donahue, anyway, he kind of pioneered that genre or made it, you know, made it really, really popular during daytime television. And I'll never forget one program I was watching where he was actually interviewing the evangelist, Oral Roberts. And I can't remember what Oral Roberts had done at the time, but he had talked about, you know, God telling him certain things. And so here Phil Donahue had Oral Roberts on the stage all by himself, just the two of them. And you could tell that Phil was cynical. He was kind of trying to catch Oral Roberts or trip him up in some way. And I remember him asking Oral Roberts rather sarcastically, So, Reverend Roberts, you believe that God speaks to you, do you? And Oral Roberts very kindly, but very quickly, replied and said, Yes, Phil, I do. In fact, you know that he speaks to you too, don't you? And Phil changed the topic pretty quick. Because, you see, we all know that God does speak to us in one way or another. In fact, think about it. How in the world are we to walk with a God with whom we can't communicate it doesn't make sense how can we follow a savior who doesn't talk to us how can we follow a god or please a god or fulfill his plan for our lives if there's no way that we can actually hear him and i don't believe the problem is that we cannot hear him the problem essentially is that we fill our lives with too much noise that's the problem It's not that God doesn't speak. He has spoken to every generation, to every heart, but the enemy knows how to try to shut that voice out. Again, the problem is not that God does not speak. The problem is not that we can't hear him. The problem is that we are too slow to be still and to listen to his voice, and we are too quick to pick up our phone and to call somebody or text somebody or message somebody to either spout off or to get their opinion on something. Rather than turning to the Lord, where the Lord says, in quietness, you will find a confidence that will become strength to you, but it's found in quietness. And the Lord went on to say, unfortunately, but he said, the problem is not on my side. The problem is you would not. You would not come away and be quiet. You would not be still. You know, we can even come to church on a regular basis, and we can surround ourselves with a whole lot of God stuff. I even hate to use that term, but God activity, God worship, God preaching, God fellowship, God cliches, whatever it may be, we come to church, we're surrounded by all of that stuff, and yet how many you be honest enough to raise your hand and you say, you know what, pastor, there's times when I'm in worship and the song's going on everything else, and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, I appreciate your worship, but I want you to come away and be I want you to come away to a quiet place and be still so I can talk to you. The Lord appreciates our worship, but how many times do we find ourselves in a place of worship? And as we're worshiping, our spirit is saying, oh, Lord, forgive me for not being with you this week. Or, Lord, I promise you tomorrow I'm going to find time in quiet with you because I love your presence. My spirit was created for your presence, and I realize I'm just living in my own strength. And the Lord calls us back. But it's found in that quiet place where we're still. And when we are, you will find that he will speak to you. And he will lead you and he will strengthen you. Well, in Genesis 22, God said to Abraham, he said, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. You know, I think one of the reasons why many of us struggle with hearing God or, or why many of us maybe don't take time to actually learn to discern the voice of God to us, is because we just prefer that God give us all the details right up front. You ever feel that way? Okay, God, you know, I, 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 you know I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to do. i got five minutes. Would you just lay it out for me? You know, would you just appear to me, or would you just, you know... Uh, Give me a vision, or whatever the case may be, or have someone come and speak over my life, whatever it is, just give it to me all at once. After all, we wonder, Lord, why do you call us to walk by faith if you've given us sight? Just give me the details, and I'll do what you want. Well, Abraham has been waiting his whole life to have a son. God gives him the promise. He finally has Isaac. He has him for a number of years, and then one day God says to take him somewhere in the land of Moriah and basically kill him as an offering to God. But when you look at the story, for what God is asking, he's not given a whole lot of details. He's just saying, go to a place I'll show you in Moriah. It's a long way away, and kill your son for me. That's it. I mean, I love the fact that Abraham just gets up next morning. He's on his way. But God doesn't give him a lot of details. And I believe one of the first lessons to learn in hearing God's voice is that when he speaks to you, you don't get all the details at once. Sometimes you don't get a lot of details, but you know what? I believe there's a reason for that. In God's wisdom, there's a very good reason for that. First of all, I believe that if God told us everything up front, it would overwhelm us. We just wouldn't see. How, we'd, we'd just be going, the whole time God's talking, we'd say, but, but, but God, did you factor in? But God, you understand? But God, you, you know, but we just, Whoa. But another reason is, if you're anything like me, is because if God gave you all the details at once, you know what you'd do, you'd probably do the same thing that I would do. You would say, thanks, God, see you next time I need you. Right? I got all the information. I mean, we don't even have the details we run ahead of God. We don't even know exactly what he wants. We don't know the next step. We think we've got enough, and we go ahead and do whatever and make a mess of things. You imagine he gave us all the details. And we're trying to sort through all that stuff. We would try to do it on our own because it's our nature To just say, Lord, just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. But God says you're missing the whole point. It's not about you doing. It's about you becoming. That's what I'm after. It's who I'm making you, it's what I'm teaching you, it's what I'm maturing in you, it's what I want to release through you. It's things I want you to understand, it's experiences that I want you to go through so there comes depth to your life, there comes character, there comes compassion, there comes all the things I need you to grow into, to be like Christ, that you can minister like Christ to the needs around you. That takes time. It takes a journey. Sometimes it takes many different scenarios that you may not like too much, but the Lord has a purpose for you. But more than anything, it involves a relationship. You see, if God just told me what to do all the time and left it at that and and gave me all the answers up front, I would never have to dialogue with him. I would never have to take a step and see the Lord meet me and show me something and then wait on him and talk to him a bit more before the next step. I would just go on my way, do my thing, and instead the Lord is saying, listen, through this process, don't you understand what I'm after? I'm after a relationship with you. I'm after dialogue with you. That's why as you're walking through things, I want you to lean on me. I want you to come back to me. I, want, I don't want to give you everything up front because I want to walk together in this. And if I tell you everything up front, you're going to leave me in the back. You're not going to make a mess of things, but you're never going to have relationship with me. There's never going to be that bond between us. I think so much of our praying, if we pray at all, can be about what is happening to us, what we have to get done, how we want things to turn out. But again, that's not relationship. That's just, you know, expectations that like we said before. Our expectations, if they're not met, what happens? They become demands on God. Because we're not talking to discern His will. We're just telling Him what our will is. And Lord, if you really love me, it would happen this way. Or Lord, what, what if, 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 if. And so we have these expectations, and if things don't happen our way, they become demands. We start pointing our finger at God and saying, God, if you really cared about me, if you really spoke to me, then this would happen or that would happen. We're kind of talked with us a little bit last week at staff meeting. Maybe it uh, bears repeating. If I can just give you a little tidbit of advice. You'll save yourself a whole lot of discouragement and a whole lot of disappointment in your walk with God if you just come to grips with the simple fact once and for all that life happens to all of us, good and bad. It just happens to all of us. It doesn't mean that God doesn't lead our life. It doesn't mean that he doesn't know what's happening, or what he allows in or out. It's not about that. But friends, life happens to us. And God has never promised to do what you want him to do. What he has promised is to be who you need him to be where you are. That's what he's promised. He said, I'm not going to make things always work out your way. But you know what? I will never leave you. I am always here. If you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. If you seek me, I will answer you. I'm not far away. Those are his promises to us. That's how real, how close he is to us and how close he wants to be to us. God will be your wisdom. He'll be your refuge. He'll be your closest friend. He'll be everything he knows you need him to be. But in the midst of it all, God will use your test to train your ear to hear him under pressure. Because God wants a family. He wants a people. Like Jesus said, a people who know my voice. Uh, A people who want to spend time with me. Who enjoy me. Who enjoy walking through life together. Who enjoy the excitement of partnering with me in things I do through you and lives around you. He wants a relationship. And he will use every situation to train our ear to hear his voice. You might say, well, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to go through such and such or do such and such. And I believe the Lord says very simply, yes, you do. You may not like it, but you know what you got to do. You know what you got to do. You're going to do it by walking with me. You're going to do it step by step, day by day, decision by decision. You're going to do it by acknowledging me in all of your ways, and I'll keep your path straight. But you've got to come to me. This is a relationship. It's not just me snapping my fingers and making things turn out the way that you want them to turn out. And that really is the genius of the way that God leads us and the way that God grows us. It all brings us back to that place of what he's really after, which is dialogue. The Lord wants to bring a fruitfulness and a fulfillment to our lives rather than that barrenness that characterizes so many lives that do things as they think are best or think are right, but it always ends contrary to what God has for those who walk with him. And so he'll speak a word to us, and then he'll be silent, and he'll give us time to talk back to him, and then he'll speak to us again, or in that silence, he will drop something in our heart that we are to do or to act on or move in And as we do that, then it leads to the next step. The Bible says in Psalm thirty-seven. you want to read it with me? The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who what? Delights in him. The Lord makes firm the steps, one step at a time, of the one who delights in him. If you will learn to delight in the Lord as he delights in you, then you will understand that he wants to lead you step by step because he wants us to be in constant communion with him. He wants you to experience the joy, as the old hymn says, of what it means to walk with Him and to talk with Him, where He tells me that I am His own, that I belong to Him. You see, when you walk with the Lord, the difference is you realize that the Christian life is not about doing things for Him. It's walking with Him. It's sharing in joy. It's sharing in tears. It's sharing in ups and downs. It's sharing in a living, growing relationship just like your spouse vanessa and i celebrated 32 years of marriage not a whole lot of time for some of you a long time for others of you but through 32 years i'm with a person that i know better than i've known anybody in my life and she's the same way it's because you walk and you talk and you go through good things and struggles whatever it may be but through the whole thing you're still walking together and you grow through it all. And the Lord has the same intention for our relationship with him. It's one step at a time. It's one step at a time in our walk with the Lord. It's one step at a time in ministry, whether it's ministry things or mundane things. It's one step. It's hearing the Lord and responding. And hearing the Lord and responding. The Lord wants us to know that we can hear him. And when we step out, he speaks again. When we obey him, he speaks again. When we walk in what he last showed us, when the time comes, he'll speak to us again. Vanessa and I had uh, an opportunity last month to spend a couple days in Grand Manan. First time we've ever been there. If you've never been to Grand Manan, you've got to go to Grand Manan. You can see it all in half a day, but it's beautiful. Anyway, from Grand Manan, you know more than I do, I'm sure, but it's a beautiful spot. But we stayed at this real nice bed and breakfast, and at the bed and breakfast, there's this this young lady. I won't say her name, but a dear young lady and uh, attractive young lady, and, and I noticed that she had tattoos all up her arms and across her shoulder. And, and so uh, we were having breakfast the, the next day. We were getting ready to check out. And we were having breakfast. I think Vanessa had slipped uh, out. They had a little shop back. She, was, she slipped out back, I think, at that time. And I just felt prompted of the Lord when she came by to comment on her tattoos. Now, I didn't know what I was going to say, but I just felt us like strike a conversation up. And so I noticed in particular she had different cartoons and different, different things. And uh, so I just noticed a couple that caught my attention. And so I just shared with her for a moment. I said, hey, I said, I noticed your tattoos. I said, I really like your tattoos. I said, these couple ones really kind of caught my attention. And I said, you know what? As I see those, I really feel that what God God would say, well, I can't exactly how I phrased, but I said, I really felt the Lord wants to say this about you in relation to those tattoos of just how, what God thinks about you, how dear you are to him, and a couple of those tattoos, and what they really speak about your heart, and uh, it might sound kind of crazy, but it was a great conversation, but that was step one, it was just kind of opening your mouth, what am I going to say, Lord, I don't know, just open your mouth, step one, I don't, I don't have a hard time opening my mouth, that's never been the issue, the hard time is not saying something stupid, I struggle with that, okay, that's why I use notes, even then I get in trouble, but I, that's why I use notes. And so, and so that was step one. Step two was, was just allowing the Lord to flow and to speak. And she, she really was touched and very appreciative. And, and uh, so that we just left it at that. And so probably about a half hour or so later, we, we got packed up and we went to the front desk to check out. And she was standing there again, as well as the owner of the B&B. And so through the course of the conversation, I don't know if it was her or the owner who brought up the tattoos again. And what they mentioned was, they said, you know what, we had a Christian couple here last year, and they were here for a few days, and we had, we had you know, some great talks and, and a good time, I think the owner maybe went to church a number of years ago, and the young lady I don't think goes, um, and they said, uh, and, and things were kind of going great, but they made a comment about tattoos. Now, I'm sure the couple didn't mean anything offensive by it, it must, must have been, you know, taken the wrong way or whatever, and she said, you know what, that really turned us off. And we just kind of, that kind of ended the conversation, and I mean, they were polite, but, you know that kind of end it, whatever was, was happening there. And at that moment, I realized, I thought, Lord, I thank you, because simply in stepping out, you were able to do something redemptive. Not that the other couple had made a mistake the last year, they were probably very sincere, but whatever they said, the enemy kind of used to misconstrue and build a wall, and you were able to just, you know, do something redemptive to uh, maybe give them a thought, especially the young girl that we spoke about, and uh, just to kind of bless them and kind of share your heart with them a little bit. Well, that was step two. Well, the conversation went on, and I found out this young lady actually has done four years of university away, and this year, she's coming to Crown University, and she's going to be in the education program, step three. So I said, wow, that's interesting. We actually live in Moncton. I said, I hope we'll have a chance to run into you. I said, by the way, I said, we have this wonderful group of young adults. We've got a few dozen young adults. I said, a bunch of them come over to our place every Wednesday night when Survivor is on. You know Survivor? Uh, Survivor is on, and they just have a great night of watching Survivor, and if you're interested, I'd love to have you come over. She said, Survivor, we've been watching Survivor since I was a kid. We watch it religiously. We tape it if we don't see it. so we love Survivor. Step four. Well, I said, listen, you've got to come over. I said, you're in the education department. I said, my son goes to Crandall. I said, we've got some great students there. I said, if you don't mind, I'll get them to look for you, and they can invite you, right? She said, that would be wonderful. Anyways, last night I was talking to Sam. I don't know if Sam's here this morning, but uh, at at our corn boil, and it just so happens that she's in the education program. I said, well, Sam, did you by any chance notice this young girl? And I described She said, yes, I've seen her. She's in my class. I said, well, listen, because Sam comes over for for Survivor, Sam and Austin. So she said, I will invite her. So anyway, so who knows what the Lord has in store. But you see, the point is, whether it's in ministry, whether it's just in the mundane things of life, the Lord will speak to us, and he says, if you will just open your mouth, didn't he say that somewhere else? I will fill your mouth, right? If you will just do what, what, you're, what you're hearing me say to your heart to do, don't worry, take the next step, I'll meet you there. Uh, for those of you going through Jason Chin's online school of ministry, You'll notice, uh, I don't know if he tells it early early on, but probably in the second or third lesson, there's a great illustration he uses, and I'll give you an idea here. He talks about, this This is Annie. Um, He said, walk with the Lord is kind of like a box of Kleenex. Now, some of you think, you know, weeping and wailing. It's not that. It's the Lord speaks to you, and he just prompts you to do something, and you do it. And once you do it, then he speaks again. Next step, next step. You see how easy that is? That's just an excuse to wipe myself because I'm, <laughs> I'm still warm from that tank. It was pretty, pretty hot in there. Again, the scripture says, The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. It just begins with a heart that will quiet itself like Abraham. And when the Lord speaks that you just say, Lord, here I am, what would you say to me? And then you respond either in word as you converse with the Lord or you respond by doing what he's laid upon your heart. And as you do, you hear the next word and the next word and the next word. Why? Because God wants to dialogue with us. He wants to converse with us. Abraham only knew that he was to go to the land of Moriah, the whole land. There is somewhere. Go in that direction, that's it. And it says in verse 4 that when he arrived there three days later, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. You know, there's some of us here this morning who believe in God, and I believe we're very sincere, but we never really walk with God because we want all the details. We want everything to make sense, just like in our own rational mind. We want things to be there before we step out. But it doesn't work that way. Why? Again, because God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to come back to him and talk to him. He says, look, just start walking, and while you're walking with me, I'll fill you in on what you do next, or I'll fill you in on what I want you to hear next, or I want to share you with what I want to teach with you. We want to talk about journaling as well in the weeks ahead i think you'll enjoy that a very practical tool for hearing and tracking god's leading in your life the lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him his promise is to lead us step by step firm steps if we will delight in him you know what delight means i believe it simply means to enjoy god's company that's all and when we enjoy god's company You enjoy conversation, don't you? When you enjoy having somebody over, do you have them because you enjoy they look good and you can sit them across the room and just stare at them? You make my front room look really good. I mean, just the way you dress, it just matches my decor. You sit there for a couple of hours. No. We invite people we want to have conversation with and we enjoy their company. You know, there's so much talk, and I'm wrapping up now. There's so much talk in our day about having a life plan. You know, if you're going to prosper, you've got to have a three-year plan. you got to have a five-year plan. you got to have a retirement plan. And You know what? God's not against planning. But if you want to make God laugh, you just come into his presence and say, Lord, here's my five-year plan. I got it all figured out. The Lord has a sense of humor. You might even hear him laugh. And I know this goes against our culture today in the church. But friends, God doesn't care what you got planned. No, he really doesn't. He could not give two rips of what you got planned. He doesn't. He cares about you, but he doesn't care about your plan. Because in case you don't realize this, God does not organize his plans around your plan. No, God who established a plan for you before the foundations of the earth were laid doesn't care what your plan is. Because the Lord says, I have a plan for you. It involves hope. It involves a future. It involves a purpose. It's not filled with waste and with death and decay and dead ends. It's filled with life and hope and joy and peace and fruitfulness. He says, that's my plan for you. And here's the joy of the Christian life. You get to get in on that plan, he says. I'm willing to show you that plan. I want you to discover that plan. And it begins by understanding that I am speaking to you, that I talk with you, and you can talk with me. I'm going to invite the musicians to come. Many of you may be familiar with uh, Joy Behar. She's uh, one of the co-hosts on The View. And uh, she made a statement uh, several months ago related to Vice President of the United States, Vice President Mike Pence, who at some point as a Christian, had just mentioned the fact that he prays or talks with the Lord or whatever. And uh, this is what Joyce said on her show about Mike Pence. She said, it's one thing to talk to Jesus. It's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That's called mental illness. That's called hearing voices. Now, I got nothing against Joyce Behar, but she's mistaken. In fact, the Apostle Paul, I think, had her in mind when he wrote these words in Ephesians 5. He said, "They do not understand, and they know nothing, because they refuse to listen, so they cannot have the life that God gives. Now, I'm not dishing uh, Joy Behar. That's not my point at all. In fact, another translation says that their minds have become darkened and they are alienated from the life of God. That's a translation you might be more familiar with. But well, that's what the scripture is saying is, God is speaking. God is speaking to Joy Behar. God is speaking to everybody. But the question is whether or not you will listen. If you will not listen, you will stay in death. You'll stay in darkness. If you will listen, though, God says, you'll begin to understand and experience the life that God has for you. And as people this morning who do have this life that God gives, I want to remind us as Christians that we don't have to walk through life blindly. We can live with the confidence that we hear God's voice. The Bible says in Romans 8, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, what? These are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And what does that imply to me? It implies very simply that as God's children, we are able to walk with him. We are able to hear him clearly. Now, this morning, we are just laying the basis for hearing God. We're going to unpack more in the weeks to come. But I want us to remember this. That the most difficult part of hearing God's voice is not that he doesn't speak. The difficult part is it takes time to learn to discern his voice. That's all. If we were down in Champlain Mall and I'm looking for you, you know, I may know your face, but I've not, not spent time with you. I'm probably not going to recognize your voice. I'm, whatever, you know, I won't see you in the crowd. But I can tell you this. If my mother is in Champlain Mall and she sneezes or clears her throat, no word of a lie. When I was a kid, I thought I'd wait to hear her her cough because I was too small to see anything over. And if you were here last week, I'm still small, but I was too small. But that's all I had to hear was a cough, and I know where my mother is. I know that voice. I'm in the same house every day. And the Lord is the same way. We need to take time to learn to discern his voice. We'll talk more about that, but it also takes a humble heart. It takes a heart that's humble enough to say, God, you know what? I got a five-year plan, but I can't even control today. So I just humble myself before you. Show me what your plan is for me. And God's promise is this. Will you read it with me in closing? Jeremiah 29. You will come to me and pray to me. Are we up there? Here we go. You will come to me and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. You will find me. You know, I hope this morning that you've enjoyed the presence of the Lord. I hope you found some solace. I hope you found some comfort and encouragement. But the question I would ask before you leave this morning is in the midst of all the things you may have enjoyed or all the songs you may have sung, what? did Jesus say to you? What did he say to you this morning? That's really what the important thing is. It's you leaving this place with the word from God. It's why we call this a sanctuary. It's an opportunity to come for an hour and a half once a week. there's an opportunity Wednesday and other times. But it's an opportunity for you to come away from the noise and to worship God, but also to say, Lord, speak to me afresh. What would you say to me today? What would you shape in my life? What fears would you drive away? What, what would you, you know, next step would you give to me, whatever it may be? Not just for today, but to remind you that every day of the week, the same God who speaks to you today, he can speak to you tomorrow, speak to you on Tuesday, Wednesday, speak to you every single day. You can have dialogue with him, and you can be led by him, and your steps will be firm as you learn to hear the voice of the Lord. You bow your hearts with me. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning just for the wonderful, wonderful presence and ministry of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for the purpose of us being here, not just to put in time, but to encounter you, to love you, to be set free, to be strengthened, built up, but to hear from you, O God, and to take that next step. And so I just pray for each one of us, O Lord, wherever we may be, I pray this day as we begin this journey, Give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to the church. I pray, Lord, even over these next months, that you would refine our voice because you refine our hearing. That, Lord, we begin to truly speak your word to this society, this this culture that we live in today. That we don't just accuse it. We don't just point the finger. But we come into it as you did, Jesus. And we speak truth. And we speak wisdom. And we speak love and grace and patience and healing and salvation. We, We preach the kingdom preach the kingdom of God, not just our religious opinions. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear I pray afresh in your precious name.